Uh, this morning our sermon is going to be the Gospel of Luke chapter 6, verses 21 and verse 25. Let's begin in a word of prayer. Jesus, we praise your great name and we confess this morning that there is satisfaction to be found in you alone. Nowhere else will we find the things that in the deepest levels of our hearts we long for. No one else has that great spiritual food that can fill us and give us unending joy. So Jesus, this morning we pray that you would prepare our hearts for your word. Would you clear away all the things that would distract us? All the other competing goals and desires and even pleasures of this world. Uh, would, we help, would you help us to see you as the great desire of our hearts, the one that can satisfy our souls and give us eternal joy? Uh, Jesus, uh, speak through me now, I ask in your mighty name, amen. There is a house, Malibu, California, in some ways, it's very much like all the other ritzy houses in this neighborhood. It's made from the finest materials that money can buy, lovingly constructed, very carefully put together. Uh, it has a breathtaking view of the Pacific Ocean, the perfect sort of place to watch the sun set as the waves roll in again and again in the evening. Uh, this house has everything needed for someone to be at rest and to enjoy. It even includes an old guitar laying in a corner, waiting for its owner to pick it up and spend his days learning a love song for his beloved wife. Uh, in some ways, this house is the same as all the other expensive houses in Malibu, except for one significant detail. This house is empty. It has no occupants, and it's been that way for decades, because this house is owned by a legendary person in the basketball world by the name of Pat Riley. I grew up hearing about the glories of Pat Riley growing up in South Florida. He's the president of the Miami Heat. He's known for wearing Armani suits and slick back hair and giving motivational speeches to his teams to motivate them to victory. And that appetite for victory, again and again, has seen some sort of satisfaction. Nine times as a player, and as a coach, and as an executive, Pat Riley has seen his team hold up the big trophy. And yet I'm here to tell you this morning that Pat Riley deserves your pity. Because year after year, Pat Riley refuses to be satisfied. Year after year, his beloved wife asks him, Pat, are you ready to leave behind the basketball world and move from Miami to Malibu like we've always planned? And year after year, Pat Riley says, not this year, honey. I've got unfinished business. Another championship to chase. Another day of glory to seek after. And satisfaction and lasting happiness always elude him. Uh, so that beautiful house with its beautiful views and that old guitar sit unused decade after decade because one man just can't be satisfied. 
Now, you may not be a world-renowned championship coach with a Malibu house waiting for you. And yet, this morning, let's recognize that each of us have before us a perilous path when it comes to the desires of our hearts. Uh, no matter what it is that we imagine might bring us lasting happiness and joy, we find ourselves frustrated when things prevent us from getting these things and even more disappointed when we actually get them and they're not all they're cracked up to be. Uh, whether it's a hope we put in a romantic relationship or the things that riches and money can buy us or, or maybe even that righteous zeal to right the wrongs in this world. Uh, no matter what we set our lives on as an ambition and a desire, if it's something in this world, we'll find ourselves frustrated and disappointed. That is except for one big exception. There's one place that we can seek after something that will truly satisfy us, down even in our very souls. And there's a place where we can find a never running dry fountain of joy that can bubble up inside us all the way into eternity. Uh, that's what we need Luke chapter 6, verses 21 and 25 to see this morning. That we can only find lasting satisfaction and joy in Christ and in his kingdom. That all the things this world has to offer pale in comparison and can never measure up to what we can have in the face of Jesus and the kingdom which he is ushering into this world. Uh, we'll see that in those two verses, and we're going to take a moment to read them. If you would stand together for the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 6, verses 21 and 25 here, God's word for you this morning. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Then in verse 25, woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. We'll move through this sermon following the cycle of two blessings and two woes. Uh, the first, something you can't find in this, this world, but you can find with Jesus, satisfaction for your soul. Satisfaction for your soul. And then second, laughter that lasts. Laughter that lasts. Uh, we're in a part of Luke, which is often called the Sermon on the Plain. Uh, Jesus is preaching a sermon to some gathered disciples on the level place. And as he does so, it's as if he's revealing that heaven thinks very differently about the citizens of this earth than the way we think about each other. Uh, while there's much suffering and difficulty in this world, and we tend to measure each other's lives based on how much or how little of it we seem to have, heaven smiles down on a different group of people. A group of people who are marked by a hunger and a thirst and even a downcast spirit because of 
the difficulties of this world. Uh, Jesus is revealing that in fact that the, the poor and yes, the hungry and the sad are those in whom heaven smiles upon. Uh, last week we heard from Josh from the first beatitude uh, and first woe. Uh, the, the way that it's laid out, uh, Jesus gives four blessings, uh, and then immediately after four woes, or four people we ought to have pity on, and, and they match up with each other. So this morning we're looking at the second and third in this cycle that goes on. Jesus said, blessed are you who are hungry now. now as soon as we say that, we have a challenge in front of us because people living 2,000 years ago in the Judean countryside would have heard that very differently than we do. Now, people back then were uh, living in an agrarian society that grew their own food for their jobs for the most part. And that meant if you were on the lower end of the economic scale, you weren't just living paycheck to paycheck, you were living meal to meal. If you didn't work that day, then your family didn't eat that night. Now, along with that came an assumption uh, the people that had plenty on their table for supper must be the people that God thought plenty of up in heaven. That faithfulness was marked by prosperity. And so the most religious were those that were the most well off. But Jesus has collected around him, as he will again and again in his ministry, a group of people that don't have much. But Jesus wants to let them know that doesn't mean that God hasn't thought much of them. Uh, he's revealing that even while they have a, a hunger in their stomachs, that they in fact should be the most satisfied of all if they seek the God who can satisfy their souls. Now Jesus is not here saying that physical hunger is always a good thing. So for instance, our community cookout yesterday, we um, gave away a whole bunch of hot dogs and hamburgers and chips. Uh, a lot of people had full stomachs when our event was done. I don't think we were doing them a spiritual disfavor by giving them a meal. And, and in fact, if you look at it from the other side, times of famines and wars where, where people go hungry and even die of starvation, those do not mean that that people are being inherently closer to God during that hardship. If you look what's happening in Ukraine right now, uh, the horrors of Russia not only invading a country's sovereign territory, but stealing grain and preventing a harvest from happening, which may result in a global famine. The reality of that doesn't make people spiritually better off. It should lead us to be sorrowful and lament and do what we can to alleviate the suffering. So Jesus isn't saying that all hunger necessarily makes us closer to God. But what he is saying is that hunger can be an asset if it leads you to find satisfaction for your soul. Uh, remember who Jesus is. Uh, he's a man that knows firsthand that hunger can actually lead you to lasting satisfaction. Uh, you remember back in Luke 4, beginning of Jesus' ministry, uh, he went out into the wilderness so Satan could tempt him. And then 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus didn't eat anything. And then the great enemy launched his attack. Say, Jesus, looking pretty hungry. 
Uh, why don't you just whip up some bread from those stones over there? I mean, you're the son of God. You can do miracles, right? It's not a bad thing to have food in your stomach, right? But how did Jesus respond? He said, man doesn't live by bread alone. He knew that even as much as he needed food for his famished body, that his soul needed to be satisfied in his heavenly father. And he needed to feed on the food of the very words that came out of God's mouth. Uh, Jesus lived this out. And now he extends this same blessing to a group of people that no one thought much of, but God, who thought much of them. He tells them, you in fact have heaven smiling on you when you are hungry. He tells them why. Next, blessed are you when you are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. There is food for their souls available. Now, Jesus is not the first one to speak in this sort of way. Uh, if you know your Old Testament, the prophets often talked about the end of history as a day of feasting, where God himself would set up a banquet table and invite his faithful, whether they were poor or rich in this life, to come and be satisfied. Well, one example will be enough. Isaiah 25, verse 6. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. Uh, though you might have to live through much want and difficulty in this life, if you seek satisfaction from God alone, there is a day coming when you will eat your fill, when your soul will be entirely satisfied by God himself. And on that day, all those, hang, uh, those pangs of hunger will be nothing compared to the satisfaction that you feel. Uh, Jesus points forward to this future day to encourage this, this people that doesn't have much in this world. But there's another way we need to think about this. Because the guy who says that you will be satisfied is the same guy who, in fact, will satisfy our souls. Uh, Jesus, and his other part of his ministry, called himself the bread of life, said anyone who believes in me will never hunger, never thirst. They will find lasting satisfaction when they come and eat the food that I can provide. You see, brothers and sisters, uh, there is something gnawing at your soul. Sometimes you're unaware of it, but it's surely there. Uh, there is a hunger for something that this world will never be able to fill up. There's a, a need for spiritual food that only Jesus can give. And the good news is you can begin to enjoy that spiritual meal right here, right now, when you come to God in a relationship with Jesus. Uh, if you're a Christian and you put your faith in Jesus, you've already begun to experience this satisfaction of your soul that will last on to eternity. Uh, it's as if Jesus himself has taken the first course from that coming feast and brought it into your very heart to get you ready for the full set of courses that will be yours on forever.
Uh, you've known it in the moments where you felt the most freedom from the sins that used to enslave you. Uh, you've, know, you've known this, this satisfaction as you've felt the most warmly welcomed in the household of God, knowing that you are an adopted son and daughter of God. Uh, you've known it as you realize that God loves you and cherishes you and will provide for your every need forever because he looks at you joined with his son, Jesus. There's nothing in this world that can compare to that sort of lasting satisfaction that's yours as a Christian. Uh, you know, one of the things I think this does for us is it helps put all the other appetites that our souls experience into their proper place. Uh, there are many legitimate, even righteous appetites that we have in this world. It's not a bad thing to want a spouse. It's not a bad thing to want a satisfying, fruitful job. It's not a bad thing to want to change the world for good. But none of those things in and of themselves are capable of satisfying our souls the way only Jesus can. Uh, if you're here this morning and you're on the younger end of things, maybe you're not married, uh, oftentimes you conjure up these dreams of what it'll be like to have a spouse and marital bliss. And if you're not careful, your heart will begin to believe the lie that if only you would marry the right person, then you would be truly satisfied. Uh, but friend, you'll frustrate yourself pursuing a perfect relationship that will never exist. And you'll be gravely disappointed if you do find a spouse in the Lord's timing when it turns out that they too are a sinner and don't live up to your every dream. Uh, don't put that weight on a future spouse. Find satisfaction in Jesus, whether you're married in the future or single your entire life. You can do the same thing when it comes to the riches we have in this world. Not, it's not a bad thing to earn a living, uh, to even work toward financial goals. Uh, but living for treasure in this world is a fleeting and fraught enterprise. Uh, just look around at the economy, how quickly your wealth can disappear. Even if you were to attain, attain your financial goal, though, friend, if that's what you're counting on to satisfy you, you're going to find it's never enough. Your appetite for more zeros at the end of that number in your bank account can always grow a little more. Be rich in what you have in Jesus and be satisfied in the riches that are yours and the inheritance you have in him. And even your earthly wealth can be put into its proper place. Now, I realize we're living in a moment where there are many that are rightfully feeling very satisfied over the, the way the landscape has changed on the issue of pro-life issues with the Roe v. Wade decision of the Supreme Court, overturning 50 years of free access to abortion in our entire nation. Now, I, I haven't been on this earth for 50 years. I certainly haven't been working against abortion for that long, but some of you have. And, and I'm remembering even the, the man who founded the seminary I went to, D. James Kennedy. He's, he's now in present heaven with the Lord. But he used his time on this earth to try and right that wrong according to the word of God. Uh, now, after so many years of praying and efforts in various different ways, I know there's a right sort of satisfaction that's being felt. And, and that's not wrong. That's a good thing. But I'm here to tell you this morning Friend, it's not going to last. 
Uh, even if the momentum keeps up and abortion is completely outlawed and never happens again in the United States, there's always going to be another way where we need to defend the sanctity of life and image bearers of God. And even if we were to totally nail down that issue, which will never happen this side of heaven, there'll be other wrongs that have to be righted. In your pursuit of doing right in this world, don't make the mistake of pinning your satisfaction to political causes or changing the world. No, instead, do those things from a heart and a soul that's been satisfied in Jesus. Let that appetite be in its right place. And yes, you'll be able to enjoy moments like this one without falling into despair or disappointment. Now, Jesus shows us and promises to us that we'll be satisfied when we're hungry. But there is a flip side to the coin. Even as Jesus, was, Jesus promises us something better than we'll find in this world, he warns us with something more stark than any warning we'll find in this world. In verse 25, uh, he said, Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. In essence, Jesus is saying, it would be the biggest of all shames if the things of this world were the greatest satisfaction you ever experienced. Uh, there could be nothing worse for you than for you to get that thing that you want so badly and for that to be the peak of your soul's satisfaction for forever. Friend, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I, I wonder if you've ever asked yourself, what is it that you think will really make you happy? What do you think will set your heart at ease and make you feel a sense of peace inside? Uh, whatever it is you might be pursuing, if it's found in this world, Jesus has a warning for you. You might find yourself at the high point of eternity if you're not careful. Uh, you're meant to find your satisfaction in the God who made you, in a relationship with him of love and joy. And nothing in this world can ever last as long or rise to the heights of that. Uh, but friend, this is a God that you must seek to find. And if you run after the things of this world your whole life, one day you'll find no opportunity to find your soul's satisfaction in God. Uh, while there's time, come and eat of the food that can really give you the satisfaction on the inside that you need. Come meet Jesus. You'll find him waiting with open arms. We'd love to help introduce you to him if you don't know him this morning. Come after the service. I'll be right down front. I'd love to answer questions about how you can meet Jesus. Jesus tells us there is a satisfaction from our souls that can be ours when we seek after God through him. We seek Christ in his kingdom. But what happens once you have that lasting satisfaction? Well, that brings us to our second thing. You receive laughter that lasts. Laughter that lasts. Or another way of saying it, you receive joy. Uh, Jesus said, blessed are those who weep now, for you shall laugh. Uh, over time, as a have more years of pastoring under my belt and study the Bible more and more, I've become, I've become convinced that one of the marks of a mature Christian is joy. 
Uh, that inevitably, if you have believed the good news of Jesus, and you are growing in your love of God for having sent his son to pay for your sins, and you are in awe of the reality that you will live a resurrected life with him forever in future heaven one day, and if you are growing deeper and deeper in your understanding of the word of God, that will, what will come out of you is not a sort of spiritual hangriness, but joy. Um, this doesn't mean that you never have a bad day. It certainly doesn't mean that you never get hard news on the phone from a doctor. It doesn't mean you'll never have a child grow up and walk away from the way your family brought them up. It doesn't even mean that you'll always feel as if things are going just the way you planned them to go. But it does mean underneath all the difficulty and even all the tears, there is something indestructible building evermore inside your heart. We call it joy, and it comes from Jesus. I once had the opportunity to spend some time with a missionary who had a very difficult ministry. Uh, he was a doctor in China, serving a, a very uh, marginalized people group. Um, particularly, he, his, he was a pediatrician, which meant he was dealing with children who essentially had no access to medical care except for his tiny clinic, which they maybe visited once every few years. Now, as you might imagine, there's a lot of suffering that goes along with not being able to access medical care like that. Uh, children that had all sorts of preventable diseases and deformities, who lived with intense pain and had very, very little relief, would come into his clinic seeking to get some measure of wholeness brought to their bodies. Precious and I were able to go visit that clinic and he sat us down and he opened up a binder filled with pictures of these dear children made in the image of God who had been suffering for so long. And with tears in his eyes, he explained what had brought them to the clinic and the measure of relief they were able to get. I remember thinking to myself, this, this is an emotionally devastating sort of ministry to do day in and day out. But you know, there was something very interesting about this doctor. Uh, he might be the most wise crackiest of wise crackers that has ever walked on this earth. He's always trying to make people laugh. He's always got a smile on his face when he's not crying. Always has a sense of joy about him. One time I asked him about it. I said, hey, how do you maintain your joy with all the hard things that you have to deal with day in, day out? They told me, years ago, I realized I had a choice. I can either cry or I can laugh. So with the Lord's help, I resolved to laugh. Brothers and sisters, you may have many, many reasons to weep in your days on this earth. There are many sorrows, some we can't even articulate to other brothers or sisters in this world, but God knows of them. Uh, there is a promise from Jesus here that your weeping will not go on forever. Uh, there is a day coming when those tears will be wiped from your eyes. And your sadness will be replaced with everlasting joy. Uh, once more from the prophets, Isaiah 65, 13 and 14. 
This has been the promise of what will happen on the final day from way back. Uh, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, uh, Behold, my servants shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but you shall be put to shame. Behold, my servants shall sing for gladness of heart, but you shall cry out for pain of heart and shall wail for breaking of spirit. With the hope of a day coming when our crying will be a thing of the past and our tears will all be dried, we can have joy underneath all the sorrows of this world. Uh, Maybe you're here this morning and you've endured some hard things in your life. Uh, Even in the time we live, people have endured horrible hatred, even racism, deep wounds that doesn't seem like will ever heal. And yet if your hope is in a God that can satisfy your soul, one day your sadness will be replaced with joy. So look forward to that day. Uh, Let's recognize also that we can have this sort of joy right here, right now in Jesus in some measure. That as we spend time with other Christians and as we remind ourselves of the gospel we believed, that we should increasingly see the joy of that day bubbling up in our hearts right here, right now. You know, as I'm thinking of our church over the next 5, 10, 15 years, Lots of things a pastor could hope a church would be known for. I hope we're still known for being welcoming. I hope increasingly we're, we're known for our love for the word of God. But one of the things I sincerely hope is that we will be known as a church with joy. That when people come and visit us, they will meet a people that have something coming up from the inside that's infectious. A taste of the age that's coming that Jesus has brought us. That they'll ask, what's different about them? How can I be like that? And maybe they'll want to come and taste of the spiritual food we've had our fill of. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, once again, there is a warning, even in these words of Jesus. It would be unloving of me not to be faithful to tell you of the warning Jesus gives because your eternal happiness hinges on how you respond to these words of Jesus. He said in verse 25, Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Uh, Jesus probably has in mind that sort of laughter that seeks to be a mask Uh, To laugh away all the serious conversations about how you stand before God and what it would take to be right before him. Uh, The sort of laughter that just wants to think about having a good time, living one day at a time, and not really caring about what forever looks like. Uh, Friend, you may have your reasons for why you're choosing to live this way, but but Jesus is warning you that one day this will prove to be the worst of all strategies. Uh, you'll find yourself not on a day of where your uh, sadness will turn to joy, but a di- in a day of unending sadness, a day of unending weeping, a place away from God, described as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, friend, that's what 
our sins before a holy God deserve, to be sent away and to experience his punishment. The Bible teaches that none of us have lived a life good enough to avoid that fate. Uh, That we need someone else to save us from it, which is exactly what Jesus came to do. Uh, To come give his life as a substitute for sinners like you and I. Uh, To take upon himself the punishment that we deserved so that we could be forgiven now and forever. That our fate could be, instead of a forever of crying and pain, a forever of joy and happiness and laughter that lasts. But friend, you've got to turn from all the things that you've been trusting in. You've got to cease seeking after these ambitions that you thought would make you happy and satisfy your soul. And instead come to God through Jesus Christ. Friend, if you do that, you won't be disappointed. Uh, Jesus is, in fact, the thing your soul has been searching for, even up until this moment if you haven't realized it. Come and taste of the food he can provide and find lasting satisfaction and joy that this world can never give you. Uh, Brothers and sisters, it is a a good thing that we can find in Christ in his kingdom something better than this world has to offer. It, It puts into place all the other appetites in our hearts and our souls, and it lets us live with joy in the here and now. You know, competition is not a bad thing in and of itself. Uh, There was a very different athlete that back in the 1920s competed in the Olympics. He was a sprinter by the name of Eric Little, a man who was a child of missionaries, loved the Lord, loved to compete. Uh, He was unable to compete in the event that he qualified and had trained for for the Olympics because of his conviction that Sunday was for worship to the Lord. So he ended up having to run a different event on Monday, the 400 meter instead of the 200 meter. Now, if you don't know much about running, if you have trained for half the distance, it's probably not going to go well for you. We try to run double. But as it turns out, he brought home the gold. And immediately, fame and undoubtedly fortune would have been his if he had continued in his running career. But as much as Eric Little loved competition, he had a different source of satisfaction. So at the height of his athletic prime and the promise of the life before him, he left behind the world of running. And he went off to the middle of nowhere, rural China, to become a missionary to a bunch of poor Chinese peasants to experience hunger and poverty himself and to bring with him the spiritual food that the poor will find to satisfy their very souls. Uh, I don't want, I don't tell you this to pity Eric Little. In fact, he did this out of a deep sense of satisfaction. Uh, He did it over the decades with very little for himself and his family. And eventually he did it when the Japanese invaded in an internment camp along with the rest of his neighbors. As this guy with a runner's body, which means he doesn't have a lot of weight to lose, as he experienced true hunger and watched 30 pounds come off his already slight frame, what was remaining was undoubtedly a joy from Jesus. 
He was known as being tireless in his efforts to help others. Always optimistic. Always with a smile on his face. Trying to help others find what he had. Six months before the war ended, Eric Liddell died in that internment camp. And yet he does not deserve your pity. Heaven smiled upon him. And now his is laughter that goes on forever because he found satisfaction in Christ and his kingdom. And that's the greatest treasure anyone could ever find. Brothers and sisters, I hope you will find that same source of satisfaction and lasting joy in Jesus. I hope most of all that you know that heaven smiles on you. Would you pray with me? Jesus said that when I thirst, I should come to him. No one else can satisfy. I should come to him. Jesus, would you, by your spirit and your word, confirm that these things are true, that our souls are famished with a hunger that only you can satisfy. And there is lasting forever joy to be had when we come to God through you. Uh, Jesus, I pray that there would not be anyone here this morning that would leave with their soul yet satisfied. Uh, would they accept the invitation that you have left uh, to come and find what they've been searching for all along? Would you make all the pleasures and pursuits of this world into what they truly are? Into passing, fleeting things that can't compare to what you offer. Would we come to you and find a more durable sort of joy? Jesus, now help us to sing and worship in a way befitting you. Make us into those who have joy bubbling up comes out of our mouth in praise. Pray these things in your mighty name. Amen.